0: Welcome back, my friends, to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as in every week I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hey guys. Hey there. How's hey, it going? How are you? Very good. Happy birthday. This week.
1: Happy
2: birthday yes, to both so cool. of you, pretty close yeah. together.
0: That's true. Happy birthday,
1: Howard. Happy birthday, Carlos. I am, I am I am Virgo Libra cusp and I know you 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 are in fact a Libra. If you believe any sure of that, point. Say what?
0: I have no clue what I'm at, but that's fine.
1: Yeah. Uh, that, that would be your your zodiac sign, it determine it predetermines how you're going to act through life. Really? Yeah.
2: You're no. two weeks away from a uh, Howard beard, so it's not bad. It's good growth already.
0: <laughs> yeah, trying something new, you know. I don't know if anybody noticed. I
1: did get like two inches cut off a couple weeks ago, trying mm-hmm. to uh, trying to make sure that it stays, you know, in a shape that I like, <laughs> I and it doesn't just become wild.
2: Did you get that professionally done?
1: Uh, always, I always go to someone else and pay them to cut it. Right. You don't trust your wife no it's well yes but i also don't trust myself
2: <laughs>
1: this i mean it'd be it'd be easily off screen if i had stopped trying to do it myself years ago because right. what would happen is i go to do it myself and I, like i get this side okay but then i go to do this side and, I go, and I'm like oh, well, i, I got to even it out and then i go to even, right.
0: <laughs> and then and i'm just, I just i'm off. just clean I'm, I'm back to the carlos level <laughs> that happened to me when i tried to do just the mustache I always cut one side more than the other one. I could never do it like my dad. So I'm like, okay. And you, you can never stop at the Hitler. <laughs> right. but like, it gets worse. I feel sorry for Charlie Chaplin, but that is
1: clearly the Hitler. So did I ever tell you guys the story of, of No Shave November and then the the onslaught of, of beard styles afterwards? I don't believe so. So we did a No Shave November at my prior previous employer. We We frequently did like team kind of building stuff. And we did No Shave November, and at the end, I had a, not, not quite this, but I had a decent beard. Um, I went into it kind of with a goatee and just didn't trim it or anything. And so my wife's like, okay, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I'm going to have some fun. And so I did the full mutton chop with this little thing across, and I shaved off the chin. So then it went into the handlebars. That was the first day. Then the second day, I shaved the cheeks all the way. So I just had the, the chops and the, the handlebars. Then i sh- shaved this and just had the handlebars. And then I started trimming the handlebars up every day. <laughs> and the last day, it, it got to, you know, it got to right there. Yes. And I, I literally turned away from the, like, set the razor down. And I turned away from the mirror. and My wife was looking at me, and she, she just goes, nope. you know, no, no. <laughs> I was already having enough trouble leaving the house with you like that. I'm not letting you leave the house alone like that. <laughs> and I think that was the last time I was clean shaven. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> It was a riot every day I went in with a with a very very different hairstyle that was it was hilarious
2: did it require plea pre-planning like did you have to have an appreciation for that roadmap
1: um I mean no I kind of do it like I do everything else I just kind of winged it and saw what <laughs> what yesterday's shaving would allow me to,
0: to kind of turn into a hairstyle today Fair enough. or facial style today So you know that that's very interesting that you say that because you sometimes were listening to your wife in the shape that she wanted the beard all the times you didn't. So sometimes you were totally listening. Other times you were not. That's true. So how about was she saying the right thing to you uh, about like the beard? I mean,
1: my wife frequently says the wrong thing. And I don't mean she says the wrong thing like like she upsets me by saying the wrong thing. I mean, my wife frequently says the wrong thing in that she doesn't say the things that I need to hear for me to listen. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think that brings us to the topic today. Paul, you have the quote. Would you care to kick us off?
2: I have the quote, and the context is this. Let's say you're in a room and you're listening to a presentation. You're on the receiving end and you get out your phone and you start looking down and typing it out Um, and then somebody says, Paul, are you there? And you'll say, I'm listening. You're just not saying the right stuff. So am I really listening? Probably not. So the question we want to talk about today is, what's what's the compelling things you need to be saying? How are you going to create this active listening? How are you going to ensure uh you have interaction in those conversations whether it be a presentation or a meeting i think that would be interesting double clicks
1: well and and i think that brings us to probably the most important part of any presentation and that is what's the point Hmm. right um and and i would say we kind of probably should think about that every time we open our mouth whether that's verbally or we're typing Right? Are we typing to hear ourselves think? Are we typing to, to put an idea on paper that no one else will read? Or are we speaking just to hear ourselves echo through a room? If we are, whatever message you use is probably fine. But the truth of the matter is, we should never be doing that. Right? You wanna keep a journal and you know, put your own thoughts down for you to read later, fine. But anytime you put something out in the world, you should consider the audience. You should consider the context. Right. Um and, and you should be aware of what you're saying and what, if any, impact it has on the intended audience and and maybe even the unintended audience. Cause as we know, you know, things tend to have a level of permanence in this day and age that they they didn't, you know, just a few decades ago.
2: So what's the pro and con of being explicit? Right? So I could start a meeting, start a presentation, start an email saying, uh this is my intention, this is what I want you to get out of it, this is the purpose of our call. Or um, you could just jump right into it and say, let me tell you a story that hopefully as I'm telling it, it becomes obvious what, what I'm trying to communicate.
1: Well, I think, <clears throat> um, think you run into two problems there, right? I mean, the first one is um, we're, we've all entered the room expecting uh, to go on a journey together. Mm-hmm. Right? Even if we're not explicit in defining that journey, we've entered the room, right? So now if we enter the room and you explicitly lay out the journey plan, the roadmap, one, I, I may get bored at that point and go, I'm not, like, I'm not really interested in the minutia. I came here for a story that would help me. You've already lost me before the story. But additionally, if, if I come in the room with a diff- different expectation, maybe a significantly different expectation, and you railroad me down to this real tight path, it's very likely that I'm going to be turned off by the whole thing and find I'm in the wrong room. Okay. Right. So I would say, let's do that before we get in the room. Never do that as part of the presentation and instead start the presentation with the story. Right. Right. Let's pre-qualify the room. And I don't know how many times, I mean, we can just use something general like conferences, right? You read right. the little snippet. How many times have you gone into a room read because you read the snippet and went, oh, that's the session I want to be into, only to get in and find out that's not at all what the session is about. 50%
2: of the time, I think that's a fair.
1: Yeah. Um, DEF CON was famous for it, mostly because they're not professional speakers for the most part. Um, and we used to laugh because they didn't, they didn't clear the room afterwards, so you could just kind of sit through the next session. Yeah. If the session that you went into on purpose was bad, it, was, it just ended up. It was guaranteed you just sat through the next session because the next session would be brilliant, even though it wasn't written well. <laughs> right right? Um, and so you just kind of decided, well, I'm just picking my chair for the next session at this point.
2: Gardner is famous for this, right? Gardner's, you know, you you sign up six months before and you get this massive agenda and they add content as the agenda comes out and you're constantly switching your schedules. You're seeing both the title and the description and the speaker um, and for the most part, maybe not the most part, let's say at least a third You don't really know what the topic means because you don't have the context. And then when you get there and you get the keynote and you listen for two hours, they set up the entire context for the entire several days. So then at that point, you readjust your entire schedule. Because now you know what these words meant. (laughs) Now you know what this phrase is intended to say. Now you know it's these three topics are the theme. So I should probably double click on one or two of those topics versus Sort of spreading my wealth across a variety of things, which may or may not actually be the themes of the week, which is is killer.
0: So you look for things that you would like to learn to support what you already know, or you go for something that is completely foreign to you, so you have the opportunity to learn something different when you have that opportunity. To listen to a speaker or something like that. I tend to pick
2: speaker first, uh, topic second, uh, if I don't know the speaker, right? Uh, because I, you know, I gain certain amount of content based on the speakers to which I've seen and Gartner's a little bit easier to do that because it's all subjected to analysts, right? So you've seen these analysts before and you're gonna listen to that analyst again. And they tend to know that. They know it so much that the most popular speakers become the, uh, the big important sessions which you yeah, have quadruple room sizes you know they're the special sessions um but then it gets a little bit more difficult as the topics swaying down during during the week but yeah i pick speaker then i pick content but again uh, sometimes the words are not really known to you because sometimes gartner redefines those words right you might be thinking about automation and if your focus point is is automation 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 then they start to use a term like hyper automation you don't really know what that means until they define it in the room. And then you start to say, OK, well, that's not actually a journey I'm on. Maybe my journey is actually in cloud migrations. So then you have to readjust your content based on the keynote you just heard.
1: So, so I, um, I do it somewhat similar to Paul. But I'll, I'll, I, can, I can define my process, I think, a little tighter. So um, first thing I do is, just like Paul, I look for speakers I know. Uh, I look for speakers I want to hear to be specific, because I may know ones that I never want to visit again, <laughs> right. um, but I specifically look for the speakers that I want to hear, right, and and uh, I was a big Microsoft guy, still am, um, so Mark Rosinovich, Mark Manassi, Don Jones, those were three that I can just pull off the top of my head that I mm-hmm. will absolutely listen to anything they have to say. I don't care if they're reading stereo instructions, I'll go, I'll go sit in on those sessions. Um, but because of those three guys, I also know what they tend to speak about, how they tend to speak and and what their areas of expertise are. So I kind of have an expectation going in what I'm going to get out, not just in quality of presenter, but also in type of content. Then it goes, I go the exact opposite, right? So there's a comfort level there that I'm looking for. Then I go the exact opposite. I don't know the speaker. Now I'm looking for just the content, but I almost never am looking for content I'm comfortable with. Right? I'm almost. I'm looking for stuff where I'm a zero or one, not a three, four or five. Mostly because if I'm a three, four or five, I'm not getting a, you know, the full stack out of it. And there, and then I'm actually probably auditioning the speaker more than I'm auditioning the content because I know too much of it. So if I do like something I know very little or or little about, um, then I'm much more focused on am I getting value from the content, even if I'm taking you know taking pictures and typing, making a lot of notes. Um, because it's less strainful on the the quality of the speaker for me. Um, And then at the end, I go, was this a good speaker? If so, yes, then they go on my list of speakers to look for in the future. Or was this not a good speaker, in which case they go, fantastic. I know significantly more about this thing now. And how do I apply that for the rest of the weekend? The exception is if I'm going to a conference for targeted information, which happens frequently, then I will specifically seek out nearly everything I can find on that, on as narrow a band as I possibly can. And then, if I don't know the speaker, it just just defines where I sit in the room because I might want to escape.
2: So, you started that rant suggesting that would be in a tighter definition of what I just said. I'm not sure you were successful.
1: Well, it was, I mean, I thought it was more specific about about how my process works because it is a relatively tight
0: process. Right. Right. So, the listening to the speaker uh, does it make a difference? if you're closer or they're saying the correct thing? Both of those things make a difference. They said that the sky is is, is purple. Does it matter who said it? Absolutely. I mean, the speaker is not only the
1: quality of the presentation style, but also their depth of knowledge on the topics for which they speak. Right? I know I'm getting both of those. I'm going to be um, edutained, not one or the other.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm not actually looking for depth, I'm actually looking for uniqueness. I'm look, like I have a general understanding of the topic, if I wanted to know more I probably would read more, I wouldn't get it out of, the, out of the hour. But what I want out of the hour is some unique perspective that I hadn't thought of before, some application that I haven't applied before, some story that I can reuse in some, uh, some other circumstance. It's rarely because I want to learn more about that topic.
1: I would say that every good speaker though gives that, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know any good speaker that doesn't get, that doesn't do all of that for their perspective, regardless of depth, right? Even if they, even if they do get deep and like Don Jones is a good example, right? He teaches, um, he's the best PowerShell teacher I know. Um, and PowerShell is kind of a deep topic to begin with. So you're not really going to do light PowerShell Conversations, (laughs) Conversations, <laughs> And yet, what makes Don so good is his perspective on PowerShell, the stories he tells on why he uses a thing and why he does it a specific way and what the value is to doing that. While it's still deep, it's absolutely his perspective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I'm with you, right? I go, I, I, I desperately want the perspective. I desperately want the, the kind of storyteller. But I think a good presenter is always a storyteller. Yep. So,
0: how about when then, that's on a conference. How about when you're on a meeting with a vendor or something? How do you know that they're listening to you when you express something, or that they're actually even communicating to what is your need? Because on a presentation like that on the conference, you pick the topic. When the vendor come, it's different.
2: You mean us on the receiving end
0: of that content?
2: Yeah. Um so this is what I would generally expect of those kind of presentations I'd expect uh, you to start with a sense of a th- sense of a theme Right, we're going to talk about this kind of thing today um, and what I want you to get out of it is these kind of objectives I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about an entire roadmap I'm not gonna go through the agenda in fact agenda is a weird thing to even go through for me uh, but I think by the end of this conversation you will believe this to be true at least you'll have a better sense of it um, and then jump right into the content, but setting the context very quickly. In other words, I'd want you to run through why, and then what, and then how. When it comes to why, I want you to give me a outside of my company perspective. Give me an appreciation for what's happening in the industry that I may or may not know, and you won't know if I know, know, but I need to know that you understand it. Then the other side of that coin is, overlay that with what you know about my business, right? If the industry is X, where do I play in that industry? How do I participate in those transactions as an example? And what in fact you might perceive is the good, bad, and different about my organization within that industry. That's the why, right? Why are we here, set the context. Then it's the what, so what can we do about it? Is it people process capability? What are things we can do to overlay and help support the problems/slash opportunities that you have, and then finally the how. Um, what, what's the what's the execution cycle to make that happen? What is what is the background of my experience to support that capability, and then the objectives at the end. Did did we achieve that objective of going through that sort of series of processes? That's yeah. what I'd expect. I probably received something like that five percent of the time
1: oh i think i think you're being generous although i worked in a i worked i spent the last 10 years in a much much more niche area so Mm. i I can kind of understand that but but um yeah i want i want all of that and i want the first meeting i want you to spend most of your time on the front and less of your time on the back and as the meetings go spend more i still want all that stuff right spend more time sliding the scale towards the tail as we continue to evolve, I want to, I want to have a better appreciation. I better have already had a full appreciation for your why. And I better start to get a far better appreciation for your how as the, as the things move. Um, and, and I, I feel like, like that tends to not happen. Um, I feel like we do a little bit of a why right up front. And then we immediately jump into what without, without really developing an appreciation for how our why aligns with the customer's why. Right. And, and, and I think that's a, that's a tremendous disservice because the fact of the matter is I don't buy product. I buy, I buy people and companies.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? And, we for, and we forget the overlay in many times, right? So there should be, there should be a picture. Like if there was a visual, there should be a visual of the industry. Then there should be a visual that overlays the company in front of me in that visual, right? You don't participate in everything in this industry. You participate in this part of the industry. We understand that. We're now on the same page, just on applicability. And then I want to see a picture of the company, like what a general appreciation for the business model of this company, and then overlay what the vendor could possibly help in this company, because it's not everything, it's a portion of that. And then what is exactly what Howard's saying, as I go through meeting one, meeting two, meeting three, meeting four, you should be able to show that picture every single time and even be more refined, be more detailed, be more specific. Like even... Subtract things that now are do not matter and add things that do matter. And if that was the first slide I saw every time, it would be magical.
1: Yeah, I would be, I'm a big fan of like Venn diagrams, right? Right. Where's the overlay. Right. And I would, I would love, I would have adored meetings where the Venn diagram changed every time as they understood better and better, better what my business meant to me. Right. Um, and how the industry view changes based on what you know about my business, my perspective and my place within that industry. Um, I, I never saw anything like that, not even one time. Um, but it would have been really interesting. I, I, I worked in e-discovery, right? Legal services. And so most of the time, what I got was we'd like to come in and talk to you about our e-discovery product. And no matter how much I argued, they'd still show up and they'd go, here's our e-discovery product. And I go, fantastic. That's not e-discovery at all just because you call something a thing doesn't magically make it that thing, right. right? You could call it an airplane and it would have the same relevance to, to air, airline travel as it would to e-discovery. Right. Right. So, uh, and, and the vendors that I ended up developing a relationship with were, were absolutely the ones who listened to what I had to say, gained some appreciation for my industry. I, I never expected them to gain a deep appreciation because again, I'm a niche. Right. And so it's not like you're going to look at me and go, well, I'm going to sell to another 10,000 of you. Right. There's maybe a thousand that fit what I did, even, even within other companies. So while it's educational, it's not, you know, hugely rep- replicatable, especially mm-hmm. for a localized sales team, sales team. So again, some appreciation, um, the ones that I never invited back were the ones that were like, well, we know eDiscovery. discovery like we know this is an eDiscovery discovery product. No, no. Okay. Bye. I, I, I wish you luck go with God. My, my son. <laughs>
2: That's right. <clears throat>
0: Right. You say that a lot of people, when they go on and they talk to an executive, to a director, to someone, then they're actually not listening to what they are, the feedback that they're receiving? Because I'm assuming that when somebody comes to you in that case, you are sharing some of your needs. And probably Paul, you you're probably sharing some of your needs and you were expecting that they were actually listening and then probably they told someone else hey this executive is not listening to us what do you have to say about that
1: oh i would say that's 100 percent true and and for me at least i'm 100 percent wrong um because i was really good at like if i'm going to be in the room i was really good at listening um i was also triple booked right it's just the job of a cio so right. Um, the moment I find out you're not listening, I would just stand up and go, "Okay, well, I, you know, thank you for your time. You can continue with my guys. I've got other stuff I need to do. I'm step out of the meeting, right?" Um, and and sometimes it was just I'm triple booked and I really only had fifteen minutes, even though you tried to book an hour. So I give you fifteen minutes. You can have my team for the rest of the hour. This is interesting. Sometimes you simply weren't listening, and that became apparent. And and no, I'm not going to waste my time, even if you feel like wasting yours. <laughs>
2: The intellectual honesty, I felt, was the best exercise there, where um, exactly how Howard described that Venn diagram, there will be points in the conversation and ports in the relationship to which there's no coverage, right? I have a need, you have a set of capabilities, and you actually can't cover the need. And to come back to me and say, there is a space here to which we actually don't feature, right? We don't have an ability to solve that problem. And you being honest with me, tells me that you're absolutely listening. In fact, it would be even better if you said, not only is this a gap for us, uh, we think we have a variety of partnerships that could actually fulfill on that gap, even if it's an overlap with what we sell. Even if by the the end of the day, you need to go with that partner that solves 90% of the problem and I'm just part of the process of bringing you together, awesome, because I'm still gonna now go to you first. Correct. Just because, I, and I, I think
1: there's too much fear in doing that right um, and, and and I hate to say it but if you re- refer me to your direct competition simply because they can solve the problem today I'm not going to your direct competition next time I'm coming back to you next time you will Absolutely. still get first right of refusal on the opportunity you're still my preferred guy on the opportunity why because you were confident enough in our relationship and you were trusting enough to refer me to your direct competition And it happened again and again and again and again.
2: In fact, I may say, can I buy this through you? Right. Right. Can these service, can they be under your services versus having to go through them? Because I trust you and and you understand my business.
0: That's a very interesting detail that it shows. I think that we have talked about this in one of our previous episodes about that trust on the relationship between the vendor and the executive. That is not about just a transaction, it's that trust. You just describe it completely. I'm gonna come back to you because you solved the problem. You showed me the idea of how to solve the problem even even though you couldn't solve the whole solution. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, the, the further up you go in the org chart, the more risk you're introducing into that organization, right? As CIO, I don't have any interest in buying what a director would buy, right? Right. Um, I, I'm really only interested in being involved in the decisions that require the CIO perspective and the CIO approval, and so they tend to be big, right? I'm not. I'm not buying three servers. I'm buying half a data center. Right. I'm, I'm setting strategy f- and a plan for the next three years and how you fit into that plan. Therefore, the risk is much higher. That also means the demand for trust is also higher.
2: Right.
1: right? And so if, if I don't trust you, I'm not, I'm just not going to buy from you. And, and the risk is if you can't quickly establish some level of trust then not only will I not buy it from you, but neither will anyone else in my organization. Because once the CIO turns you away, word gets around pretty quick and no one else is willing to put that, that name back in front of the CIO, even if they don't know why it, it's not there already, <laughs> right. right? Like how many, how many times, Paul, did you have a meeting with a vendor that you thought was okay, it's just they were hitting above their weight class, right? They're hitting at the CIO level when they needed to be at the senior director level. Right. And you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the wrong room and you turn them away. And then you found out the senior director also turned them away because you turned them away to begin with. Yep, quite often.
2: They assumed that I wasn't interested in the solution holistically, when the reality was was just a different level that I was unwilling to listen to. Now, it's not true of you, but it was certainly true of me. Um, I had never looked at a bill of material. I couldn't tell you what we actually bought, what types of servers and whatever configuration, what software. Like that, all of that was irrelevant to me. I never looked at the bill of materials. I looked at the number and thematically what we were buying, but I couldn't tell you what it was. And I certainly wasn't going to sit in a meeting, listen to us going through each one of those line items.
1: Uh, I never sat through meetings. Like that was was offensive to me when they were like, okay, so we're going to go through the bill of materials. No, we're not. (laughs) No, No, we're not. You can email it. (laughs) That's right. right. And what good does that do me? if you're missing something, pro- I promise you, it will be on you because I'm not <laughs> buying a bomb, I'm buying an outcome. <laughs> right. Right? So, so if you missed a cable, I'm not paying for that cable, you're going to have to pay for that cable. You're going to need to certify that that bomb is correct. That's right.
2: um, you should have presumed it needed power.
1: Right, right. <laughs> but but I, I will say, um, the, probably the most frequent thing that happened when any, whenever anybody knew came in to, to a meeting I was in, was they failed to grasp the fact that there are CIOs that are highly technical. Mm. I'm a highly technical CIO. I'm happy to dig right down into the, into the nuts and bolts. I'm happy to go real deep. And, and let's define, let's talk about, you know, how do you actually store bits on drives? I'm, mm. I'm good with that conversation. Let's, let's go into it, right? What are the mechanics of how all of this stuff works and end? Um, and I frequently would be in a room where somebody was like, I don't, like, I got it. I don't know. Okay, cool. So, so I asked you to bring someone who could answer my questions, you knew what kind of questions I was asking. And you didn't bring someone who could answer my questions. Now, now, once again, we're back to the wasting time. Where is the trust lost here? Right. right. Where, where did the expectation fall short? And are we going to do this twice? Um, and sometimes, especially with new vendors, they bring somebody in. Um, and a lot of it, I, I will say, like, as a percentage, security was the worst. Mm. Right, they bring somebody in. They because I was also the the CISO. Right, they bring somebody in. They kind of talk through what their thing did, and I start asking questions, and almost immediately watch it unravel before my my very eyes.
2: <laughs> right, because right? you it, expect like, to have a CISO conversation, you right. expect and, to have a sales conversation. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and but I also expect to have an enterprise architect conversation. Right, right. I expect to have. A deep technical conversation. I expect to have the conversation I want to have, right? Period. I expect to have the conversation I want to have. Um, and what was interesting was there was there were some partners that would bring in. They like I th- I think this vendor has something that would be really good for you. I think it fits. Like I've talked to them, um, and like we'd have a little pre-call, and I'd kind of lay things out. Okay, cool. I think this is interesting. I'm looking for something that does this, but I want to go deep because the last seven things can't do this thing. Cool. They would bring the person in. I kind of light into them i mean i'm you know i tend to get a little like like uh focused right and so i i like <clears throat> and you could see that they're like yeah this is not the right person and the vendor would just go i i apologize i apologize i thought we went over this with them but apparently they didn't bring the right person and they just go see i told you he was going to be had this talking but we got to go <laughs>
0: right.
1: right and at that point the partner the the like the the uh company they would bring in wasn't invited, but they were always invited back.
2: So, so there are, there's some pre-listing is what you're saying. Pre-listing is the pre-call to say what, you know, what level of detail do you think we're going to get to who are the audience and what objectives do you think that they're going to have? Um, is there, um, either business or financial or other constraints that should, we should be aware of before we walk in the room, where are they in the buying cycle? Where are, they, where are we in the selling cycle? All of those things should be known well before they
1: even walk into that room. What have they likely seen before and have you ever had any feedback on what they've seen before? Because yeah. that's so valuable. No, I, I've, I've seen four of your competitors already and they can't do this one thing. And I swear, if you just ask in the, pre, in the pre-call, I'll generally
0: tell you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So right. this, isn't, this isn't a game. Is there a difference with internal clients so if they're coming to you versus an external one that that need your time on that conversation well I, i'm not sure i understand what your definition of internal versus external if you have an internal meeting and they and you you need some information something <coughs> that, you, that conversation that listening process that you're saying is it any different than an external vendor coming for your time oh yeah You mean like if we have an internal meeting and we just, and we determine a need
1: and then I reach out to the vendor to fulfill that need? Yeah. Um, I I would say the hit rate's much higher when we do that, but the same problem still happens, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I'll still get vendors that show up, they do a presentation and you go, this is not what I asked you for at all. And I put my whole team in the room and I would say the risk of that is, is much higher. Um, because you, you change the owner of the relationship, you change the owner of that risk. Like if you come to me and present something externally, I don't have any risk in it. I'm risking just my time. It's fine. You will have wasted my time, not the other way around, right? But if I come to you and say this is what I need, and you fail to actually deliver on that, when I have a room of 27 people, now it's my responsibility. Now I'm now I'm generally upset about it, right? The 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 risk of failure to you is much much higher when I when it's an internal to external versus external to internal.
0: That is a very interesting detail, because now if somebody's coming from the outside and they don't understand that, they don't get, oh, we can get another meeting. What would you say about that? I I wasted 27 people's time. How are you going to
1: guarantee that not only are we not going to waste their time, but it's going to be the most valuable hour they've ever had to make up for the wasted hour previously?
2: Yeah. The reputational risk is not an external problem. It's an, an internal problem. <laughs> like I'm willing to risk my external reputation well before my internal one because I still work here. But, yep. Like I and, require some longevity here. I'm I'm not here for another month.
1: I'm and, here for and years. I don't care if that's I don't care if that's up, down or out. Right. It doesn't right. it makes no difference to me. Right. I'm not more concerned about ruining that reputation with my CEO than I am ruining it for the people who work for me. Right. Right. I'm probably more concerned about ruining it with the people who work for me. Right. Right. The CIO is or the CEO is always going to see me as a tech wizard. Right. Right. You're always the laptop guy. Always. The people who work for me are going to see me as the pointy haired dude. The more I do that. And right. The last thing I need is to become their pointy haired dude. Now,
2: let's take the other side. Um, Howard, have you presented to uh, a set of clients that has been incredibly successful and incredibly poor? And then de- describe the difference between the two. Why were the successful ones successful and the poor ones poor?
1: So, so yes and yes. So um, matter of fact, today was hugely successful. I met with a, with a large financial institution. Um, I hadn't met the salesperson, the account exec. Um, they didn't really know much about me. I was referred in by someone else who was who was part of the um, the account conversation, um, and I didn't really have a well-defined role in the conversation. Okay. However, I had specific industry expertise. It was their um, their e-discovery department that we were meeting with, and huh. that happens to be my my belly So right. um it was hugely successful because uh, I spoke the language and had specific experience that most vendors have less than zero. And what I mean by less than zero, like if you have zero experience at something, you ask a lot of questions. Right. You make no assumptions. And when someone says something that you don't understand, you ask them what they mean.
2: Right.
1: Less than zero is where you make an assumption that you know way more than you do and you don't ask those questions and you make a ton of assumptions, right? And so um, most vendors have no one that really understands e-discovery. So um, being able to immediately go to, okay, this is this, this is the language that you use and therefore let's talk in your language. Let's skip past kind of the stumbling over trying to find common language and let's just go for it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was hugely successful. Not only did we spend the entire time actually talking right having a discussion rather than just a presentation we only got halfway through the presentation because we were able to get deep into what they actually cared about
2: Mm.
1: Um, we have three follow-on meetings already scheduled and this is pushing forward at light speed Nice. versus i've had almost the same thing happen where i but i did meet the sales team they did prep me i was able to ask questions and the sales team had no idea what was actually going on And so when I got in and started talking, the customer went, I don't understand why you're doing this because it's none of this is what we want. Right. Right. Um, And, 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 you know, it can be anything from um, you think you're throwing the opening pitch when in fact we've just come back from the seventh inning stretch for those who understand baseball. Yep. Um, Or it's very nice that you showed up with your bat and glove, but this is actually football or even worse this is actually the opera
2: <laughs> right
1: right um and it, it really comes down to that listening right in this case the person who referred me listened really well knew who to reach out to understood what i could do um i had a call with them i had a call with a third party vendor like like the whole thing um kind of lit up great um versus the other way around it ends up on my calendar i'm asked to be there um, and you can obviously tell the salesperson never listened,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? They wanted to pull somebody in with a title. They wanted to pull somebody in who's a good speaker, but they don't really prep you for what the goal of the conversation is. And I think we see that a lot, right? Um,
2: yeah, that, that pretty much defines good, bad, and indifferent with, with my, uh, any any meetings that I've had. Like the good ones have had better context and better maturity, right? So I was, so the account team. Uh, knew where they were in their maturity of, let's say, uh, digital uh, transformation or their data journey. Uh, They had a good understanding of of how they believed Hitachi fit into that world. Um, And they set up the meeting to say, listen, the uh, CTO is going to come in. He's going to have this kind of conversation. track." And it was incredibly successful. But on the other side, they completely misunderstood where they were in the maturity. They are... Uh, at level nine, and uh, and they had me talk at level two, uh, that they were disinterested in digital transformation and they're more interested in storage. Um, and I couldn't have that top track because I wasn't prepared to 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 dive deep in that particular topic. And I've had, I've been in front of you know, 30, 40 people and them being incredibly disappointed an hour later when I walked away, assuming that I said a lot of good words, but it just wasn't the words that they
1: wanted to hear. And then I've had the opposite happen too, right? Where the, the sales team goes, um, okay, well, I understand you're going to talk about this. Can you double click on this other stuff? And you go, well, okay, I, I, like I can, but I'm going to follow the attention span and engagement of the customer, right? And as they ask questions, I'm going to double click on what they ask and they go, okay, but they're not going to want to hear that thing you're going to want to talk about. Okay, I get it, but, but you have to let me do what I do best. Right. And then the, the the whole thing goes, you never get off the talk track that you intended to talk about anyways, because the customer stays engaged and asks questions. And by the end of it, they're like, that is the best we've ever heard from you guys. Right. right? And and you just look at the, the sales guy and go, how did you not know this is what they wanted? Like there's four VPs, SVPs, and EVPs in the room. And you assumed they wouldn't want to hear this. I don't like, come on, guy. You didn't listen coming into the room. You didn't look to the titles of the people and what they might actually care about. And you don't understand what their job is well enough to make an assumption about what they might want to hear. So don't make an assumption, ask the question.
0: Yeah. So what will it be like a recommendation for someone coming? Is there something that they should be looking to prepare for that meeting so they can listen, not only with their ears, but probably look for information, Or ask the correct questions so they don't end up like, hey, you're not listening to what I need. So you just wasted, like you guys have shared, I've been there also, where you waste the time. What could be something that our listeners can take and, and apply for their next meeting? So let's say you have an hour. It's the first meeting and you have an hour. You have
1: five minutes to present at the front of the hour present at the front of the hour, but it better be why you Mm -hmm. then ask the customer, a lot of questions. And every time they say a term that you don't absolutely understand front and back, write it down, just the term, nothing else. Don't worry about anything else. Just one line each, write the term down. When they pause, when they give you that opportunity to say, is that clear? Say, okay, well, I'd like to double click on some of these things and just ask them what they mean by the term. Don't ever ask what the term means. Okay, it's the difference between what does this term mean? Well, it's my industry and it's the most common industry term. Why would you not know that? You're not allowed in the room. (laughs) Versus what do you mean by that term means, oh, you've heard the term before. Let me describe what it means to me. And I I have to say, I may have heard the term a hundred times before. Digital transformation is a perfect one. Um, Customers will often talk about their digital transformation efforts. Okay, what does digital transformation mean to you? that better be a question you better not assume that that better be a question you ask and i guarantee as you move through the organization you'll hear digital transformation brought up 10 times based on where they sit in the org chart every single one of them will give you a different answer you better know what it means to them so do that with every term right no one no one really will ever get offended when you ask because they're going to they know this is the opportunity i have to really clarify what we need to clarify what we do and to clarify how we do it so yep. you need to listen for the next 40 minutes. So five minutes in a row, five minutes of presentation, 40 minutes of listening, and then 10 minutes of setting expectations for the next meeting. You'll get the next meeting. Yep. Okay. I
2: always use the term, how does insert weird here apply to you? How does cloud apply to you? How does modernization apply to you? How does blockchain apply to you? Then they'll go into a conversation about how their organization is unique and they would apply it in a unique way. <laughs> so but you win both sure ways.
1: Make sure it's a term they brought up.
2: Yes, of course, yeah, okay. you're okay. not gonna make up words. No,
1: though. no, no, but I'm, what I mean is like if, if you're having a conversation about digital transformation, don't then go, what does cloud mean to you? Or how do you use cloud? Or what is your cloud strategy? Okay. So 100%, use the set of words cloud. you just
2: collected. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, use the set of words. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Keep it relevant to everything they said. Yeah. Um, and then make sure they understand that you have a viewpoint, a perspective that is different. I have never, ever been in a room where a customer wasn't interested in the perspective, ever, right? They desperately, desperately wanna know what have you learned from the hundreds of other customers in our industry that you've talked to? We don't care about jurisdiction, Right. right? What have you learned that you can bring us? We're desperate to hear from outside because every time you have a conversation with a peer in your industry, it's a guarded conversation yep right and so what is your perspective as an outsider too like you see a thousand of these deployments what are we doing wrong right the the customer that i talked to was a top 5 financial institution top 10 financial institution definitely on the fortune 100 massive organization right 200 plus thousand employees and yet one of the things that they said was we want to go through our workflow so you can tell us what we're doing wrong right that's word for word, by the way. Specifically, the word wrong. Right? And don't, so don't hold assume. back.
2: Don't hold back the attaboys, even if that's true, right? Yep. Because there'll be there'll be things you're going to they're going to review with you that they're actually exceptional at. Highlight it. Say, so, wow, that's interesting. In fact, better than the other five clients I just talked to about it. That's amazing. I hear you're struggling here, but you know, let's really let's really clap at this one because you're really good at
1: that. And if you've seen the same thing. That everybody else struggles with up here, yep. point it out. Right. Right. We're no good at this. They'll say that. We're no good at this. Like, we struggle with this. And you just kind of go, okay, well, if it makes you feel any better, everybody else struggles with that. And they go, yes, that makes us feel better. Even if they don't say it out loud, it makes them feel better. And then you right. can, it, it's also then an opportunity to kind of double click and go, um, we actually have some methods that can help improve that process. We'd like to double click on that at a point in the future and really help you kind of clean that up. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, they're always interested in that. Like, As long as you're listening more than you're speaking, the customer is super attentive.
0: Right. So from both of you, what I got is that there was no mention about your own products or what you offer unless you brought it out first. And you were complimenting in how you can help them to solve one of their challenges that they offer, correct? Let them bring it up first. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, Let, as, uh,
1: uh, like how many times, Paul, how many times have you been prepped for a conversation and you kick it over to the customer right away and the customer goes down a path very different than what you were prepped for?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's all the time.
1: Yeah, I've been prepped for conversations where I thought all we were actually talking about was strategies to use a product we, re- we resold. Right. Only to have the customer go like I'm unhappy in the following seven ways and you go, oh, well, there's a totally different way to deal with this. And this is how we would deal with that instead. And they go, oh, oh yeah, I'd I'd really like to hear about that. And what's revealed is an opportunity five X. And they're not batting an eye at the, at the opportunity. They're not, they don't care. Right. They're not going, wait, how much is that going to cost me more? Yeah. It's going to cost you more.
2: Which is why you can't start with the how you have to start with the why. (laughs) Yeah why creates opportunity how is the better transactional sale yep. if you're at the how you should be at meeting six correct that's your t- that's when how comes up yep
1: 100
0: meeting six it's a good it's a good, good spot to to do that so listening to all this for everybody that's listening i think the key is literally we have to close our mouth and open our ears first So then we can get the details because the executive the team on the other side are the ones having the problem we're coming to serve them and help them but we need to let them explain what is their problem we cannot expect that we know more than them right and listen and take freaking notes
1: Yep. Take notes. Take, take lots of notes. It never hurts to take notes. And <clears throat> look, if you're taking a note and, and I'm going too fast and you ask me, uh, I'm sorry, I was making a note of the last thing you said, can you repeat that? I'm never going to be offended. No, of course not. I'm never going to be disappointed. Oh no, he was taking a note. Therefore it was important and I need to repeat the other important thing I said. Right? Um, I, I would really say if there's three people in the room, one of them going into it, one of them should be the, the expected note taker. That doesn't mean you don't also take notes if you're not that expected note taker, but one person should have that as the assigned responsibility. And
2: even if you don't actually want to take notes, open up a book and write things down as they're talking. It could be a recipe for what you're about to make tonight. It honestly doesn't
1: matter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tend to make a lot of notes that also aren't, they're tangential. Right. Right? Like the customer will say, um, okay, we really like this. These are the seven features that we're using. These are the things that must really be there. And as they're talking, it occurs to me that, Hey, there's a, there's actually a really killer feature that would help them. I don't want to talk about it because I need to see if we can get it on the roadmap or can we do this? Or is this a capability we can add and I'll start making those kind of notes. Right. Right. The beautiful part is I'm still listening. And yet the customer also thinks I'm making notes about what they're specifically saying and it excites them even more. Right. Right. So to
0: Paul's point, write something down it show them that you care you're paying attention and most important the topic for today you're totally listening for the right thing not for the wrong one. So any closing thoughts my friends? Nope you you said it well. Well for each one of you make sure that you subscribe you share and as always Send us your comments. We look through those to keep improving and to keep adding topics that are important for you. Because remember, we wanna grow as leaders so we can have the impact that we know that we can have. My friends, we'll see you on our next episode.